This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn. Oh, he's hot. With an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters, May 31st. Probiotics can be an important part of your daily routine, and they certainly are a part of mine, but sometimes they are a hassle to take. Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Welcome to season four, everybody. This is season four of Dear Chelsea. Thank you for helping make us a sweet success. Okay. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. What's, uh, oh my God, season four. So many things have happened. I know. I feel like these little communities are forming. People are reaching out to each other. I can't tell you how many times somebody will hear Someone call in and they contact me and they'll be like, listen, I have the perfect solution for them or I can connect them with someone who can help them. And so I pass their little email along and it's just really wonderful. I wish Bernice could call in. Aww. My dog. I wish she could call in because I want to know what's on her mind. All I know is, all I know is I love her ever since Bert passed away mm-hmm. slash got put down mm-hmm. only because it was the end of the road, not yeah. because I wanted to get rid of him. <laughs> Can no. you imagine if he pissed me off and I just put him down? Oh, no. mm. Anyway, Bernice has been a sweetheart. Just the yeah. sweetest thing. Last night, she was in bed. I usually have to force her up into my bed, which I had to stop doing because she had this really wicked cough. And I say wicked because I'm from Boston, the Boston area. <laughs> but she had this really wicked cough. And I was like, God, is she getting like secondhand smoke from all my joints? <laughs> and then I was like, is she smoking her own joints? Yeah, and yeah. then I sent her the doctor and they kept giving her cough medicine and cough medicine and cough pills. And it, I was like, it's not a cough. It's deeper than that. Yeah. So then we took her to another vet. And they found out that she has a collapsed trachea, which they kind of intimated. Carla, my assistant, kind of tried to make it like it was my fault for picking her up her whole life. (laughs) And I told Carla to just take it down a notch and shut the front door because that I don't pick her up by her fucking throat, first of all. Secondly, so now when I go up, she goes up the doggy stairs, I put a leash on her. I guide her up, you know, to trap her Mm -hmm. like a lobster. (laughs) But 
now, last night, and this has been happening, Yeah, she, when I come back from my tour weekends, because, you know, I've been on my tour, I come back and she comes, I guide her up the steps and she doesn't go down now. Oh, she, she my woke gosh. up like three times last night and she was like, I was like, I put the light on so she could see the steps so she yeah. could go down, you know, to her doggy bed. But then she just looked at me, circled back around, dug her feet in and went back to sleep. So it's she's been sleeping love. with me through the night, which is I've never, ever had this experience when Bert was that alive. So nice. And, you know, she again, like any marginalized woman, she has been marginalized. And since Bert is gone and he required so much attention yeah. and cuteness and neediness. They get like mad at you. They get, I think Mimsy's like still mad at me, me specifically for getting these two puppies. Oh, like, yeah, she, she has is. not forgiven She's me. She's mad at you. And I won't, I was, I was like, oh, I got to get another puppy because I like to have two. Yeah. But I'm going to wait until the fall, A, yeah. because that's irresponsible because I'm going to be traveling a lot during the summer. And B, I want this time alone with my daughter. Now yeah. I understand. It, it's true. Like, I definitely feel I have a lot of, like, mother's guilt of I'm not spending enough time with Mimsy now that the puppies are, like, the squeaky wheels in my face mm-hmm. all of the time. So I'm working on that. Like, taking her for extra walks, giving her extra love, which she, like, also sometimes doesn't want because she's like, I just want to, like, snuggle you. I don't want you to snuggle me back. She's oh. very that. Oh, really? Yeah. She, she, like, wants to be, like, between your legs, but, like, she won't be in your front nook. She won't be spooned. She doesn't front have it. nook. <laughs> oh my god! Front. She can't be in your front nook. No. Everybody. Translation under your arm, everyone. <laughs> exactly. You didn't see Catherine's gesticulation, so uh, to understand exactly what that mm-hmm. meant. Yeah. But I appreciate the one-on-one time, and she's so sweet, Bernice, and mm-hmm. I just love her so much, and I'm just so grateful that I have dogs. In other non-canine news, I got these glasses, these progressive glasses. I got about six pair made, three sunglasses, and three regular glasses. And the guy explained to me that the top part is for to see distance. The middle part is to see intermediate. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is intermediate? <laughs> and the bottom part is for a close-up. But when I sit on a plane, if I look down the print on the book, because I like to read on my plane rides, yeah. I have to hold my head in a certain way so that it makes the print readable. Yeah. And... I don't like these, and a lot of people warn me about these, and I'm going to take them all back and have them. I want bifocals is what I want. Yeah, just two, not three. I, I don't need three compartments. And and by the way, he was like, oh, I put a prescription on the top. I go, there is no prescription on the top. I've had LASIK. And he said, no, there's a light prescription. And I'm like, I don't think that there is. So, I mean, I guess ophthalmologists are right up there with veterinarians in my book. Yeah. They don't seem to have a, a real concrete answer to anything. Everything's vague. Why would you need intermediate? seeing like between I, distance and short-sighted why do you need to see another something there something? are famously have only been two for a very long time yeah I don't know why there's yeah. a third so i guess the i guess people don't like the line in the bifocal mm. i don't give a shit though i mean i'm gonna be how old am i 48 i mean at a certain point i just yeah. have to give up yeah brad had that happen once where he went to a new optometrist and this guy was like no no I know your real prescription. All of the doctors you've been seeing for the last 15 years are wrong. Let that's me like give a, you a That's like when you get your bras fitted. You know, <laughs> someone's like, oh, these are the bras. This is going to be the bra that fits you. And it is for the first 20 minutes. Yes. And then after you wear it, you're like, no, my tits look like. What are just they? cones. Yeah, just yeah. I hate cones. that 40s look where my tits look pointy. Yeah, and you just get stabbed in weird spots and it's no good. I don't know about bra fitting, but definitely I've been wearing glasses since like third grade. And this doctor was like, oh, hey, you know what? Your prescription, let your eyes do the work. Let your eyes work for it. And then he gave me this prescription that was less. So everything was blurry and I had to like squint at everything. (laughs) 
That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, work for what? And then also, you know, my favorite book, uh, Letting Go by David Hawkins. In it, he talks about letting go of the fact that you can't see uh-huh. and just not wearing glasses and that his vision miraculously came back to him. So I tried that for about a month. <laughs> that did not. That, I was, that's the only section of the book. I'm like, listen, buddy, I don't know what kind of magic you're working. You guys are that just my, like bootstrapping your eyes. My cornea is just going to repair itself because I've decided <laughs> to let go. If you believe enough, it will. But I am in a great meditation zone. Yes. Yeah, I'm really feeling my meditations lately. I do that. I've been doing my Chopra app and I do these courses. But, you know, sometimes you don't really feel it. You just feel like you're sitting there thinking. But I'm really able to, like, stop Mm. my thoughts. And Mm -hmm. I'm, like, going to this, like, place, like, this light place. It's very relaxed. And now I'm craving it. Yeah. I mean, this has been, I don't know how many years I've been meditating, probably like four or five now, but it's been great. But uh, I'm in a zone right now and I'm liking it a lot. Do you, what's it called when you can like cast your spirit somewhere else? That's what I feel Is like I'm doing. Is that what you're doing? Like I'm not in my body. Astral I'm- projection. Yes. Astral projection. Is that involve my asshole? Yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. Astral projection. Well, that's what I think I'm doing anyway. Who knows if that's what I'm doing, but it feels like I'm not in my body, like I'm in some light-filled atmosphere with Mm -hmm. my mom and my brother. They're always with me, so that's Mm -hmm. fun. I love that. You can visit them anytime. Yeah. I picture my mom like a little nymph flying around, like a little sphinx. or No, sphinx or nymph? A fairy. Fairy. It's like that Greek mythology thing, like when they fly around. A sprite. Yeah, a Sprite. That's what I think of. I like a Sprite. And Chelsea, you're about to be traveling a bunch. And I have just announced new stand-up dates for my Little Big Bitch tour, guys. I announced 25 new cities. These are probably a lot of the cities people have been mentioning in the comments. I start out in East Hampton. I go to New York, D.C., Durham, North Carolina, L.A., Phoenix, Cleveland, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Chicago, Madison, Portland, to name just some. I will be performing at the Kennedy Center, everybody. That's in D.C., October 6th. I'm super psyched to be performing there. There are more. You can go to ChelseaHandler.com. I am on tour. I have dates coming up for the next three months and then more dates coming up in the fall. So those have all been announced. They're on my Instagram page or you can go to ChelseaHandler.com. Thank you. Our first guest of season four is someone who has been getting a ton of attention because she has been very loud and proud about her transition into girlhood. And I am loving it up and I'm loving her Instagram. So please welcome Dylan Mulvaney. Hi, Dylan Mulvaney, in person and looking beautiful as ever. Thank you, Chelsea Handler. So excited to finally meet you. (laughs) Oh, my God. I got to tell you, this is a full circle moment. (laughs) I grew up when I was about 13, 14 years old, this, you know, gay boy pre-transition. I was I had a friend group called the Harlots and it was me and a bunch of girls, bad bitches. And (laughs) we used to pass your books around. And that's how we learned about sex. And and so I I texted them all. It had been a while since I've, you know, talked with them. But I said, you're never going to believe who I'm going to see today. (laughs) So I I just really it's a it's a very full circle moment. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Dylan has uh, gained a lot of notoriety and popularity on her TikTok series, Becoming a Girl. Or is it Being a Girl? Days of Girlhood. Days of Girlhood. We just hit day three. 65 a few weeks ago. Yes, Yay. and you had a big uh, celebration. I did a big show, musical, baby. I, I'm Broadway. We I had singing, know. dancing, and acting. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about a full circle moment. Yes. So I want to ask you so many questions, but let's just start about gaining the confidence mm-hmm. and the self-assuredness to follow your pursuit of becoming the real person that you wanted to be. Absolutely. 
when I was four years old, I came to my mom and I said, mom, I, I think I'm a girl. And, you know, we grew up very Catholic, very conservative. And she, where were you? Where'd you grow up? The outskirts of San Diego. Okay. And a little town called Alpine. And I was a boy in a dance studio at age three, you know, only boy there dancing. And, and, but I came to my mom and I said this, and she said, well, God doesn't make mistakes. And this was the year 2000. And so there really weren't many resources at all, except, you know, all, the only transness we got to see was a sex worker on NCIS that had been hurt. You know, it, mm. we, we hadn't seen trans people experiencing success or happiness or, you know, it, it was, I don't resent my family or even myself for not allowing me to become this woman that I am now because this was all part of the journey. And finally, you know, these those gender thoughts, I pushed them away because when I was starting to discover my sexuality, which is a different thing than gender, mm -hmm. I thought that being gay was at the end of the world. I thought really it doesn't, you know, it can't get any worse. And so transness wasn't even allowed to be in my mind. And so I, I came out as gay at 14. But when you said to your mother that you were four, mm -hmm. when you were four, you said, I feel like, I feel a, like girl. I'm a girl. And what? And she just was like, God doesn't make any mistakes. And that was it. We did some, you know, I, I went to some therapy and it, again, a very different time. So I'm not resentful at all. Right. But it was then at the pandemic, I was touring with a Broadway musical called The Book of Mormon. And ironic. I, it's it's <laughs> wild. But I was spent my whole life, you know, doing theater, playing these male roles and I there was no room even in that industry to be trans and so once the pandemic hit it was the first time that I didn't even have to see myself playing a part I was like who is Dylan really without theater and religion and all of these things that had been put on me and I was a really feminine little boy growing up and I felt like I stripped parts of my myself away for so many years that I'm now finding again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the most beautiful part is is getting to finally give in to those those feelings and those desires and those outfits and whatever it might be that brings me euphoria. But during the pandemic I was like, okay, let's reopen that question of gender and I identified as non-binary for about a year, went by they them pronouns. And it still was not where I was supposed to be. And I think it was so daunting making that jump from being a man to then uh, that trans woman title scared the shit out of me. And it's so funny. I don't usually curse, but I'm around you and I kind of feel like I want to <laughs> let loose out. a little bit. It happens. But uh, you have that influence. I thought, you know, non-binary moment of my life was kind of this little cloud that I got to land on for a hot second. And it was not the end of my my journey. That's when I, I finally accepted. I actually, I started hormones while I was non-binary to, you know, feminize my body. And and then I took on that she pronoun and it feels so good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. You followed, you were able to pursue what you felt was necessary to be a complete human being. And I think what people's resistance is to transgender people, to the whole LGBTQIA community, is that it's different from what they know. Mm -hmm. And anything that's different than what anybody knows is scares them for some mm -hmm. reason, because yes. it's the same reason people want to hold on to power and don't want to give equality to everybody, because they're scared of what they may lose. And they're 
lack of understanding instead of looking at it as a huge growth opportunity mm-hmm. to be like, oh my God, tell me everything. I want to understand you better. Right. Is it doesn't come at the front. Well, and they, you know, a lot of people don't have a Dylan in their lives to ask questions. And I think that's kind of why I got online too was because I wanted to be that friend for people. I wanted to show that I'm not some monster. And it's sad that there are still so many people that are trying to use this really beautiful journey against me and twisting my words and taking things out of context. But at the end of the day, like I'm happier than I ever have been because I I could I can't imagine going back to that that other you know, person, it breaks my heart to think about. Mm, yeah, I would imagine so. So how do you how do you reconcile that? Like when you look back at your former life mm-hmm. before you became a woman, how do you frame that time? You know, I try to actually think about it in a very positive. I always do glass half full. Everything that has happened before transition, that was supposed to happen. That was part of my story. I was learning things. And and now I feel like now it's all icing on the cake because I actually got to the cake finally. But I just I don't want to ever resent, you know, there there are sometimes the mindset of like every day before, you know, I I came out was was absolutely horrible. But no, I had some good times in my life, but I just hadn't entered my full potential at all. You know when you're locked into yourself, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is who I am. This feels right. My intuition has never been more alive within myself. So I'm just I, I I'm trying to stay strong. Yeah. Yeah. And you will be strong. You're already strong. Thank you. You know, there's always going to be bumps in the road and mm-hmm. things will happen that will feel like you're you're getting off course, but it's up to you to remain steadfast and true to who you are and to follow your truth because yeah. your truth is unlike anyone else's. And people have a easy time forgetting that. I want to talk a little bit about what it takes to actually transition because that is another argument for the reason that people wouldn't be doing it it's not easy. It's not easy to transition. It's not easy to change your sex that you were born with or to feel like you're not the person that you were meant to be. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I really get upset when people say, you know, she woke up one day and just decided she wanted to be a girl. Like this was not a decision. This was who every fiber of my being. And I put in a lot of freaking effort and a lot of you know, mental gymnastics, a lot of therapy, a lot of soul searching to do this. And it is something that I don't take lightly. I think that this journey that I'm on, you know, going on hormones, those were all huge decisions that I had to make and very private ones. And while, you know, every transition looks completely different, you know, there are trans people that aren't on hormones or that might choose not to get surgeries. But for those of us who need those things for our dysphoria, we need access to them and that we can't be vilified for needing those things. Right. And you recently had facial feminization, right? Yes. Oh, babe. Uh, <laughs> I feel it's good, right? Yeah. It's good. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. And my my biggest thing about sharing that process online was that I didn't want people to see it as plastic surgery. I I needed them to know that this is like an affirming surgery that can change lives and possibly save lives. And it was so wild to look in the mirror and see what I imagined for the, you know, for the first time to, to kind of, it was just a soften of my features. I didn't, I didn't look totally different, but a very emotional experience. And I do think like, 
there's power in sharing a story so that people can get like a, a little look in. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you're doing is freeing other people. When you share your story, you're giving license to other people to share their stories and mm -hmm. to follow their dreams. How many surgeries have you had to have thus far? So it's it's funny, like there's really no rule book to how transitions go. And again, it's like you can, you know, sort of pick and choose what it is based on your euphoria and dysphoria. So, you know, that was because I'm so in the public eye right now, I knew that that was one of the first things that I wanted to do since I am so on display and I was feeling so self-conscious and very upset about my my features. And but now I'm actually think I'm going to take a little bit of a step back about talking about my physical transition because, first of all, that word influencer scares the shit out of me because I don't want to influence anyone to do anything. But I don't want other trans people, especially young trans people, to feel like they have to do something in mm -hmm. order to be trans. And so while I do have other plans and other surgeries that I'd like, I haven't decided how I'm going to necessarily share those because I don't want to set any sort of precedent. Mm -hmm. That's that's nice and um, responsible, I'm sure. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girlbomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence. Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self-care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self-care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the Sassy Girl Bomb Grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional-grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I want to know how it made you feel to get all this love online. Oh and I mean, you're a viral, you know, superstar Thank on you. Instagram and TikTok. If you don't follow her already, it's at Dylan Mulvaney. And hey, you're killing it on TikTok right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging the PSAs. They're great. <laughs> I got another one coming up that involves you. So stay oh. tuned. So tell us about what that welcoming and affirmation must feel like, because after going through something and experiencing something for so long, and t- taking the balls by, the, you know, the bull by its horns and saying, fuck it, this is my life. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, yeah. you know, and having people applaud that. Well, I still don't really get social media, to be honest. It's it's so crazy how fast things can can travel there. And I think normally, like, I was a musical theater kid. I just wanted to, I still want to be an actress. And normally you, like, book a movie and you have, like, two years before it comes out. So you kind of have some preparation of, like, okay, this might happen, you know. But I mean, I think I had a million followers in like 17 days and no one can really like get you ready for that. And I think also I was essentially sharing the most vulnerable parts of my life. So there's kind of a double whammy of of putting yourself out there and having your transness on display. And if there was if another trans person came to me right now and said, oh, should I start from day one and showcase? I'd say, oh, babe, I don't know about that just because of all of the turmoil that's come from it, but I will say the amount of love and the fact that on day one, I said, this is who I am. And I hadn't had, you know, any surgery. I was still very much finding my femininity and and figuring out what really makes me a woman versus the misogyny that I still am working through that was placed on me. But I was supported by women saying, we stand by you. We see you as a woman. We're here for you on this journey. And now I have people in the comments being like, we've been here since day one, day seven, day nine. And that gives me hope. And I hope that it shows other trans people that are still in the closet that they can, when they're ready and Mm -hmm. on their own time, that they can feel allowed to come out and to experience life in, in a beautiful way. Yeah, I think one of the most offensive things to hear is people who are are talking about, you know, trans people saying, oh, it's trendy. It's trendy. Are we supposed to let children change their sex before they're ready? Because what if they change their mind back? And I, it's such a miseducation and an unknowing. Like I had a friend say to me, oh, I know there are eight-year-old kids that are getting transgender surgery without their parents. And I'm like, that's simply not true. No. First of all, there is no eight-year-old that can go to the fucking doctor and, and become- Drive you, themselves there. You can't yeah. do that at no. eight. It's just so dumb. But so people- it's, it's insane that that notion of like trendiness because transness has existed like since the beginning of time and truly like in certain cultures the two spirits or transness was actually like seen as almost the most holy or the most reverent or the most respected Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's so sad to watch as you know the years go by it get sort of picked apart due to capitalism and and all of these things that have essentially 
let go of the fact that this is who we are. And well, that, and then also, t- just in a scientific aspect, from a scientific perspective, there is a spectrum of male. What male, like mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, is at one end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then Pamela Anderson is at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> that's a boy. That's a girl. And then there's. 50 million things in between. Yes. Yes. So, and it's biological as well. It's not just yes, an idea. This has been going on since people were born. Like mm-hmm. there's this is not new. This is not trendy. We just happen to have a vocabulary about it in Another, this modern era. It makes me very sad too when they go, "Oh, she's doing this to be to get famous or you know what. When I came out, I was assumed that I would not work for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I you know, it's not like trans people are out here you know, thriving. We're just trying to survive. And I'm my experience online that, I, you know, in my success is like one one millionth of what it actually is to be trans. The transphobia I experience is so different than that of a black trans woman who, you know, these are as much as I am going through it. And I have, you know, a lot of people that maybe don't care for me. There's still so much privilege in, in what in my experience compared to other trans peoples and I need to make sure that we're taking care of the whole community and that this isn't you know some this there's nothing about this that's a gimmick this is my truth it's such an odd remark to make that that they think that I would do this for any reason but because of it's such a difficult decision to yeah well and there is I think there is something scary to people who are scared of of transness or mm-hmm. you know the LGBTQ community. There's something scary about someone like you who chooses, despite that adversity, to show up bubbling over with joy yeah. and to bring positivity. Thank and you. even though it is difficult to still show off your joy. Well, and that's the thing. I, I and I'll say also, and you, I think you'll get me on this. Comedy for me is my way in. And so a lot of the times I will make light of sometimes these really dark situations because it's my coping mechanism. It always has been. I like making people laugh. I like making people smile. I was doing a lot of stand-up about a year ago, and I realized it was it was very healing for me. to, to sh- I, I love to overshare. I think you can relate. <laughs> but I tried to find the funny in transness, and it's really – it's a slippery slope hmm. because then things get taken out of context or it gets used against you. And I think I now am trying to take a step back. And and another thing that happens too in your trans is you immediately get labeled as like an activist and that you know how to speak Mm. on all of these things and that you have the answers. But I'm a baby trans. You know, I'm still so new to my journey that I've made a lot of missteps. I've spoken out of turn. (laughs) And the, the most important thing is that, you know, hopefully not all trans people have to be these like activists have to have every single answer. You know, right. I have so much left to learn. That's a good point that you bring up. As an activist, also, you're speaking up for things that you care about. It doesn't mean that you know the answer to every in and out of this, the subject or right. the topic. Obviously, we are interested in educating ourselves on whatever mm-hmm. whatever topic we're being an ally to or an ally for. Or Well, that's, you know, I'm a musical theater major. So, <laughs> I mean, that's I, my way in. I'm like, God, can I sing about it? Can yeah. I? Da-? You know, and that's what I did on day 365. I was like, oh, let me show people what what I actually want to do, which was perform. And I used my story to kind of put it into a show. And now going forward, I think that if I was to create a show with a trans character or to write 
the touring show. Those are different forms of activism in itself. And I actually think that through scripted and through comedy that we can learn from. Mm-hmm. from Absolutely. Types I mean, that's how we learn about everything in this world. Is right. It's almost easier when it's, uh, yeah. it's not a real human that it's like, oh, there, there's a little bit of mystery there. Yeah, Absolutely. I wonder if for folks who aren't really clear about euphoria and mm-hmm. dysphoria, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Okay. So I remember like early on in my transition, like those first moments of actually purchasing an item of clothing that I've always, you know, craved wearing or even just like a man opening the door and calling me ma'am. I know mm-hmm. that that's so gender stereotype, but it was like, oh, oh my God. Like it, it, And funny enough, during the pandemic, wearing those masks, it was kind of nice because I still have a little, you know, I'm trying to get rid of this beard hair and she's really putting up a fight. But <laughs> Hey, by the way, I'm trying to deal with my beard hair too. You know, so that's what I heard. I, I have those blonde, well, I have different I, yes. beard hair, but the blonde fuzzies, I shave my face through. all the time. They come, we'll do it together. And <laughs> I I just think there are, euphoria truly it are those little moments that sometimes it isn't this like outward like, God, it's but it's like that little spark in you that's like, yes. And then dysphoria is truly, it feels like a darkness that kind of washes over you. And it is those moments of being misgendered. Mm -hmm. Or I remember before transitioning, having to put on a male outfit for an audition or, you know, just like that conforming that made me so sad. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of these haters don't realize is that the, the mental effects of of misgendering in the media, it breaks my heart because, you know, there are people calling me a man and I don't, right now, I feel like I'm not even processing any of it because I, I, I'm so scared to to do that deep dive and to know what the effects are. And I'll say these haters, they really wore me down for a second, mm-hmm. but then they came for you, Chels. And I, I thought, oh my God, this is my favorite woman in the entire world. And the same people that are coming for me are coming for her. And it actually something clicked. And I went, oh, my God, maybe what they're saying isn't true because I'm now watching them take out someone I love and I know her truth and I stand by her and I love her. So maybe the same goes for me because it's almost easier when it's not about you and it's about someone you love or enjoy. And I know we hadn't met yet, but I actually was able to see in through your experience with them. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I was saying this to you a little bit before we started, but, you know, the haters is kind of like, it's just like you have a big pile of stuff. There's always going to be, there's going to be some negative stuff. You know, you have to learn how to focus on the positive and Mm -hmm. all the people that you're impacting. And eventually it just rolls right off your back. And we both know how to have a good time. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what, you know, I don't think they want to see that. No, 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 no. I mean, for Republican men to tell me that I'm unhappy, I'm like, who said I was happy? You guys are assuming I'm happy because of the way I'm living. Yeah, I'm not going, I'm happy, I'm happy. I don't have to say that because no. I fucking am happy. I don't have to scream it from the rooftops. Amen. I, every time I do now, now something, they've given me more motivation just to fuck with them because they can't handle a woman who knows, A, that can take care of a lot of people around her that doesn't need a man to do that and doesn't need a child to do that. You're not going to keep me down. Mm-hmm. Ever. And I think that's how anyone who's ever receiving that has to look at it. It's like, look at the source. You know what I mean? Look at the ignorance and look at the idea. For me personally, the idea 
that a man knows what's best for me is preposterous. <laughs> Especially a man that doesn't actually know you. No, but no one who knows me knows what's best for me. Except you for do. me yes. and my sister, maybe Simone and Shoshana, but I don't even know. <laughs> I know what's best for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just Same. like you know what's best for you. And like every individual listening to this podcast knows what's best for you. There's an inner knowing that we all have. And it doesn't matter if you were born a boy or born a girl, you have an intuition that comes with your person. And that's what you have to listen to. And on that note, we should take yeah. some callers. Yeah. I think. We're going to take a break so I can calm the fuck down. Okay. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the sassy Girl Bomb grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So, to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we're back. We're back with Dylan and Chelsea. Well, our first question is just an email. Kayla says, Dear Chelsea, 
Rejection has always been my biggest fear. As a kid, I had almost no friends. I was teased for my looks. My old soul personality was misunderstood. Now I'm in my mid-30s and I have more friends than I can handle. Don't get me wrong. I feel grateful to have so many girlfriends that I can count on and grow with, but I feel pretty overwhelmed with maintaining all of these relationships in a meaningful way. Nowadays, I seem to mostly get asked to go to all the big events such as weddings, birthdays, and baby showers, and I'm often told, you're the busiest person I know, so I'm less likely to get asked to just have coffee. It's true, though. My schedule feels so full, and I'm drained by balancing all these relationships. Besides friends, my husband has a large family, and mine is quite sizable, too. It's a lot of personal relationships to maintain. Chelsea, you seem like the kind of person who has a ton of friends. How do you keep up with everyone? I never feel like I'm being a good enough friend. Should I try to not be so hard on myself or work on more practical ways to keep in touch with them all? Thanks so much, Kayla. Oh, well, that's a good problem to have, yeah. Kayla. I would say I'll go first and then Dylan, you can chime in anytime you want. Okay. I would say that, yes, that is a good problem to have. I would say to be respectful to all of the people that are in your life. And the way I show respect personally is I respond to every text and email that I get. I always respond. It might take a minute, but especially text, I find that that is a more personal kind of way. So if I've forgotten an email or two, that you know that that's probably true. But texting wise, I try to get back to every single person who leaves me a text message. And even if it's the news isn't good, like I can't make it, it's nice to just show that kind of. They used to say deference in school when I wouldn't respect my teachers. They said you had to show deference, <laughs> and I was like, fuck off. But deference is just. <laughs> showing somebody respect and saying like, you know, creating boundaries creates respect. That is true. When you say no to things because you need time alone or you, you know, you have other plans or whatever, that's all fine. You don't have to overextend yourself. That's not doing anybody any favors because you grow resentful of the person that you're overextending yourself for and you grow resentful of not spending enough time on yourself. So I would just say to anybody, like, I mean, it seems like It seems like it's more of a personal problem from your writing. Like you feel that you need to spend all this time with all these people. I would say dial that back a little bit. Give yourself some room to breathe and reassess yourself. Give yourself six weeks and say, okay, I'm going to do this for six weeks and see how I feel at the end of the six weeks. I'm going to respond to anyone who asks me, but I'm not going to make plans with every single person who asks me. I'm going to say, actually, I have a really busy week. Or if you're not, I I mean, it was kind of a mixed message because she's saying she's getting invited to big things rather than the little things. If those little interactions are important for you and studies show that it is very important to socialize it isn't very important to be around other people but it's also very important to regroup like I need an inordinate amount of time to be by myself Mm. in order for me to perform on stage on a regular basis during a tour I need to be alone for many hours a day (laughs) (laughs) I have to conserve my fucking energy because I don't have the energy and the stamina that I had when I was in my 20s and you know whatever so I I have you're so present with people and that's what I'll say I nearly died when you said I respond to every text message because my phone is like it's we're in the hundreds babe and I I was feeling so guilty I'm the number one people pleaser but then I realized my goal is that when I actually am with someone in person or if I'm on a phone call I'm going to be a hundred percent present and I'm not I don't want to do the half-ass sort of like oh, I'm going to hang out with a bunch of people, but I'm going to be, you know, in a bunch of different places in my head or working or no, I want to show up. And when I do get those moments, which maybe are more rare now with with friends or loved ones, 
I want to be there fully. And I've actually now set the precedent that, do you know Glennon Doyle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She talked about, she doesn't really text anymore. She thinks that it's, you're basically always at the beck and call of someone else. And so now all my friends know to call me and we'll mm. have these great, you know, phone calls and chats and, and that has like filled me up in a new way. And you know what? That's great that you say that. Cause I'm the opposite. I would prefer a text rather than a phone call. Don't fucking call me. <laughs> but <laughs> and but I think what you said is very prescient because it's it's very important. That's what I said to my girlfriend once. She got mad at me for canceling. And I said, listen, I can't I'm canceling because I'm not going to be able to be present. I'm t- exhausted. I'm tired. I feel like shit. I want to be present. And that is the most important gift you can give somebody is your time and presence. And how funny too! the people that I want to hang out with the most are usually the ones that are like, oh, I'm not going to message her because she's busy. But then it's the people that, you know, they're yeah. all they're hounding you to hang out. And you're like, wait. No, I want to go see these other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's also really reaching out to the people that you want to be around, that you want to go on that coffee date with, and then saying no when it when it feels right. And yeah. also measuring how you feel after your interactions with people. Like actually taking in, are you getting a lot out of this relationship or are you being present for someone going through a difficult time? Those are two ends of the spectrum, but they also like... I like to be there. I like emotional triage. When somebody mm-hmm, needs something mm-hmm. and a friend needs something, then I like to be there for them. I, I excel at that. But I'm not going to be doing that for two years in a row. You know what I mean? I want to help you get out of it. And then there's other friends who don't necessarily need you who are bringing something and filling your cup up. So it's good to measure the time that you're spending with people because if you're exhausting yourself on three people that are fair weather friends mm-hmm. and then you're and then you've lost all yeah. your energy for the real friend, like you have to kind of measure who brings what into your life and what is the value and how much of a priority each friend is. Communicating with someone how you like to be communicated with, which you've both said I think is awesome. So for example, maybe it's, sorry, I can't come to your birthday party, but let's grab coffee and set a date, you know, so that you get that one-on-one time with someone who does fill your cup. And we're fucked because you like to text and I like to call, so I just... (laughs) So we'll just have have to to Marco Polo. (laughs) We'll meet each other in the middle. (laughs) Do you call or do you FaceTime? Oh, I like to call because I like, what if I'm peeing or, you know, I I don't, that's a lot. FaceTiming is a lot. Right. Well, (laughs) FaceTiming is a lot. I I consider that to be an assault. You know what I mean? Like you can't just fucking FaceTime me. But most of my people know that. Nobody does that. Yeah. Talking on the phone, I have to say, is sexier than FaceTiming. It's a little mystery. Yeah. Yes. Like it's staring at somebody for two hours. It's just not oh, a God, fun. Or if there's like a, you know, a man that you're texting and all of a sudden it goes beep, 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 beep. And you're like, oh shit. You know, and you're like putting on some eyeliner really fast. See how long. The, you're like one minute. You just throw your phone in the toilet. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, Kayla, let us know how it goes. Yeah, Kayla, hopefully we gave you some advice. Yeah, yeah. Well, our first caller today is Dane. And this one is a bit of a gut punch. So fair warning. Okay. Dear Chelsea, I'm writing in today because I'm a trans guy and my mom has been ashamed of me ever since I came out as trans to her almost a decade ago. She didn't understand then and still doesn't. We didn't speak for almost nine months because she didn't respect my name change and my pronouns. When I would tell her it hurt my feelings that she didn't even try to use my preferred name or pronouns, she'd lecture me for hours about how selfish I was or I needed to grow up and understand that the real world would never be as understanding as she was. She's a proud conservative and conspiracy theorist and takes every opportunity to spread her ignorance. I'm at my wit's end. She's currently engaged to a guy who's even more transphobic than she is. He supposedly loves me, but here's the thing. He doesn't know I'm trans. If he knew, I think he'd lose it. 
He saw a picture of me pre-transition early in their relationship and asked her about it. Instead of the truth, she told him that she had a daughter who was killed in a drug driving accident. When I had top surgery several years ago, she made up excuses and lied to him about why she was coming over to check on me. She's my only remaining family. I've always taken care of her since I was a young child. I was the parent for both of us. She sees me as her son now, but still posts transphobic things online constantly. She isn't supportive of my long-term transition goals, and if I so much as cough, she blames it on my hormone therapy. As I get older and work through all my trauma and therapy, I'm starting to wonder how much I should keep trying with her. I don't want to lose my only family, but I also feel so jaded from everything she's put me through. What should I do, Dane? Hi, Dane. Dane. Hi. Oh, my God. This is Dylan Mulvaney. She's our guest today. So you have another set of years. Nice to meet you. First of all, I just want to I wish I could give you like the biggest hug ever. (laughs) I'm trans as well. And I know that our journeys are very different. But I can relate on multiple levels. You know, I come from a very conservative family as well. And I, I know how frustrating this might be. But yeah. I do believe people are capable of change, and sometimes it it can take a long time. But I also – what I worry about with your mom is it sounds like she loves you with almost like an asterisk of like what that means. You know, there's all of these layers of getting to that love that, you know, should just be so pure between a parent and a child with, with no mm-hmm. – what's the word? The unconditional. It unconditional should be unconditional love. love between a mother and a child or between hopefully any two people. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. But continue. And I, I'm just hoping that outside of this one person that is technically your biological family – I just want you to have the the most amazing chosen family around you. And I want you to be surrounded with other trans people that love you and making sure that when those transphobic comments do come from someone like your mom, that they can be there to step up and say, that's not true. We know you and this is what we see. And I just I don't want you to lose your favorite parts of yourself because of that bond that you're trying so hard to keep together. Do you have any thoughts, Chels? Yeah, I would say that your mom is really toxic for you at this stage <laughs> in your life. I also believe people change, but her behavior posting anti-trans shit online when she knows that she has a son who's trans is just, that's like hanging out with your own bully. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I I don't think that there's any benefit or change that's going to happen from continuing this relationship, especially after the circumstances you mentioned in this letter, your stepfather who she lied to about her son. I mean, what 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 is that? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's ve- that's very psychotic behavior. And you can't pretend somebody died like that's psychotic. Yeah. So I think based on her behavior alone, like I think you kind of owe it to yourself to create a lot of distance and enjoy the people that you have in your life that really love you. I know this is your mother and then that's very difficult. I've never had to like disassociate from my parents, but I would say that it's not in your best interest to have her in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, we've had periods in our relationship where we have gone months at a time without speaking and because of all of the trauma that we've been through individually and together, we always kind of end up coming back together. And that in itself is really hard, you know, that... What kind of trauma are you talking about? Are you talking about your transition or are you talking about other trauma? Other trauma. Okay. Like what? Really bad stuff. 
you know, that she's done and, and that was done to both of us throughout my childhood, her childhood. I see. You know, it's brutal. Trauma bonding is a real thing. And mm -hmm. especially when we're all each other has, it makes it extra hard, you know, to kind of sever those ties. And it makes it hard too when, when there is that distance and that separation, and then promises are made that, oh, you know, we'll try or we won't, you know, we won't talk about these things or we won't do this. And then those promises fade away and old habits come out. And then it's just like, oh, you're, you haven't really changed. You know, you're still the same toxic person and, and you just kind of wanted to Trojan horse your way back in. So it's hard. And I do believe people can change. You know, I'm evidence of that. You know, I've changed a lot and I've grown and healed in a lot of really positive ways. You're amazing. Thank you. But it's hard to, to want the same thing for her, you know, to want her to heal and for her to grow in positive ways, but to not be able to force that and just to kind of have to bear the burden of that trauma and that weight and not walk together in the light. You know what I mean? Yeah. You said that you ended up taking care of her. And I want yeah. you to know that that was not your job and mm -hmm. that a child is should be a child and a parent should be the parent. And that those roles that were placed on you are not normal, that wasn't healthy, and they've continued throughout your life, even though you're now also an adult. And I believe that your transness was probably one of the first times that you went against taking care of her because you oh, that was yeah. that was you taking care of yourself, and that scared the shit out of her. Mm, and that transphobia, totally. it could have been anything but it was your transness that took precedent because that's who you are that was always who you've been and i think for her that that resentment towards your transness also comes from the fact that you were able to stand up to her and say this is who i am i'm playing by these rules and that's kind of one of the only times that you've you've done that because it was so important to you but you need to be able to do that in every area of your life and not just your gender identity because that is when she will actually see you as an equal and as an adult and someone that, you know, it's kind of sounds like maybe you should go cold turkey for a second and show her what it's like to experience her life without you because you bring so much light to it that maybe she needs to be reminded just exactly how much light that is. If you do choose to keep a relationship with her at all, you got to unfollow the Facebook. You got to unfollow all the socials, mute, whatever you got to do. But like, you don't need to see that. You don't need that popping up in your day. And give yourself boundaries as well, because I know you live in different places. Mm -hmm. When you do go to visit, don't stay at her house. You need to stay nearby, somewhere else, so that when you need to retreat and go into your own space, you have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, creating boundaries. You need yeah. to create boundaries. Also, the fact that she has not told her husband that you are trans, that is like such a huge red flag Wild. of shame. Mm, yeah. And you, oh, yeah. there is nothing to be ashamed of, of being you. And I, I, it breaks my heart that she is so scared to even share that with the uh, another very important person in her life. And so I think before that reunion can happen, I think that conversation needs to happen. And it might prolong that time apart and it might get even messier. But I don't think you can go forward in this relationship with that secret. And my God, like she, you're her child at the end of the day, that should take the cake. I have a mm -hmm. question. Have you had any separation from her? Like, have you guys ever taken a time out from your relationship? Yeah. Like we've had periods of up to like almost a year of not speaking, not seeing each other at all. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. then you kind of just revert back to where it started or back to your regular habits with each other? You know, over time, it doesn't just go immediately back to like, oh, right. we're super, you know, super close. Take some time to get back there. But yeah, eventually we end up back, you know, two peas in a pod kind of thing. We've never gotten like fully, you know, back to where we were like when we were, when I was a kid, but. See, you just almost said when we were kids, that's how you think of her as a kid, you yeah. know, because that's how she is behaving probably and how you guys yeah. travel bonded in the first place because you were both in a situation where you felt like you were being treated like children or you were acting like children yeah. when you were a child and she wasn't. So yeah. trauma bonding is very, very complicated. And you do you have a therapist that you see? Yeah. 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 Oh, I... <laughs> You think I'm surviving without a therapist? Yeah, well, honey. Do you have other trans people in your life that are, like, lifting you up? Not closely. You know, I'm, I'm part of a few online groups that I reach out to occasionally for support for my transition goals, but I'm not, like, close with any trans people. Really? Well, I'll be close to you. <laughs> <laughs> Please, by all means, I, I would love that because it's, it's yeah. hard out here. It is hard. Where, where are you? Where do you live? I'm in the Portland area. Okay. I was going to say, we should get you connected with Shane from season one. Oh, yes, oh yes. My gosh. What, prison is not a joke, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll follow each other. <laughs> yeah, we have to connect you with Shane, too. He transitioned to, as well. And, and he, didn't tell his family for like eight years. Yes, wow. yes. Yeah. So That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a very good goal for you also is to have a little bit more of a community for you. You know, yeah. take Dylan up on her offering and you guys can connect online and also we'll connect you with Shane. But yeah, I think you need a timeout from your mom. And I think before you reintroduce her back into your life, then you're going to have to really set some clear boundaries for your own mental health. Yeah. You know, don't follow her. You don't need to be exposed to any of that, what Catherine said. But also for her to be able to be in your life, she has to meet certain requirements. And mm -hmm. that that's up yeah. to you what those have to be. But I would suggest that one of them should be truthful to the person that she's marrying about the truth of your situation. Because yeah. any secret builds shame and it's unnecessary. Yeah, actually, you know, I finished reading this book, Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. And I really, I loved it. But I've been on that huge like reading kick lately, and I really enjoyed that book because it's all about toxic shame. And I sent it to my mom. I was like, "You should really read this," and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll check it out." I don't know that she actually will, but if she does, maybe it'll teach her a few helpful lessons. Hey, you gave her a resource, and mm -hmm. now it's a two-way street, and she can meet you halfway. It's the least she could do. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does it feel to you when we say to take a break from your mother? How does that make you feel? I mean, it's something that I've done before and something that I'm fully aware is logical and, and reasonable and something that is good for me by yeah. all accounts. And will you let her know you're taking a break or you'll just phase out? It'll probably just phase out. I mean, she already senses distance between us, you know, like she mm -hmm. and that'll make her even try to cling harder because she she'll randomly guilt me about certain things when she senses that distance. Like, yeah. I know I haven't been the best mother and, you know, right. but you turned out so great despite me, that kind of thing. And Actions speak louder than words. So oh, yeah, hundred percent. I think it would be benefit. I'm always into writing a letter. Like even if it's a goodbye letter, it's nice to write it. Whether you send it or not is up to you. And maybe this is something you can discuss further with your therapist. But you should write a letter about how it feels for your mother to deny who you are. Oh, I got you beat on that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I sent her <laughs> oh, like a, 
an hour long like video. And this is the last time we didn't speak for like six months. Oh, I really? Sent her, like a yeah, an hour long video of like this is all the abuse that you put me through. I'm tired of you like hating on me and other trans people and you know minorities and like all this shit that you post online. I'm sick of it. It was literally like an hour long video and. Her response to me was just, I'm so tired of you, you know, hating on me just because of my political views. I've walked on eggshells around you for the last five years. You know, it's time. Oh, I think we just need a break from each other is basically what she said. Political views. Yeah. It's like, it's called human rights. Totally disregarded everything I said about, yeah. you know, the abuse and the way she treats me and me being trans. She just disregarded all that and was just like, sorry, my politics offend you. Let's take a break from each other. Yeah. Well... Maybe it's not so accusatory or maybe it's not such an indictment of her. Maybe you can make it short and sweet and put it in writing so it's not even you speaking. So she, it can't be misinterpreted. Just saying how much I love you. You're my mother. You know, you gave birth to me. We've been through a lot together. And now I have to get healthy. And I can't do that when my true personhood is being denied by the person who gave birth to me and make it so simple and not make it about you did this, you did this, you did this. It's about how you feel and why you have to move on. And of course, she may not accept that or think it's garbage or dismiss it, but it's a nice way of ending or putting like a pin in something without having anything left unsaid or unspoken. It's not mandatory, but if, if you feel like doing something like that and writing something short and sweet that isn't nasty or harmful, but it's about you and your growth, it might be something that sits better with her because she's obviously on the defense all the time. Maybe it could be like what you would love to have in a mom and in not how she's not those things, but like I think now it's you aren't a child anymore. And so you get to redefine this relationship of what does a parent mean to you now? And these are the things that, you know, is it I need a cheerleader? I need someone who's we call each other every week just to check in or, you know, it, getting very specific about like what that relationship that you want to look like. And that could be far away, but. I just, I really feel for you. I personally have actually been through something a little similar as of recently. I want to tell you that it's it's going to be okay. And I'm just, I want you to have all the trans people in your life. I think trans masculine people also to to make sure that you feel so supported, that you know your magic and that you are so loved. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you are loved. So like know that you what you did is really, really brave. Like you're a brave person and you don't have to subject yourself to people that make you feel less than. It's just not your responsibility. You're not responsible for your mother. You're not responsible for anything but your own decency and like humanness. You know what I mean? And as long as you're following your gut and you're following your instinct and you're being good to people around you and being loving and caring of others. You, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the road that you got here, like it sounds like you've been through a lot of trauma. You don't deserve any more trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't want any more. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, Dane, thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. I know this is really, really tough stuff. Yeah. We're sending you a lot of love, honey bunny. Yeah. When I was writing into you guys, I was just thinking of the Martha Stewart episode where she's like, Chelsea, you get some really heavy shit on here. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, meanwhile, Martha was not fucking ready for that. I was like, all right, Martha, this might not be the right person to have people calling yeah. in since she can't relate to yeah. anybody normal. If she listens to this, she's just like, ah, this is... I'm no, she won't be off. listening to this. I promise you. She's baking. She's yeah. baking. Yeah, she's baked. For sure. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, she's baked. Oh, poor Martha. Okay, well, Dane, keep in touch with us, okay? If you all need right. anything ever again, let us know. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Okay. Bye. Nice to meet you. Love you. The idea of all these people, these parents, I Woo! don't understand how parents can disown their own child. I, as a non-parent, wouldn't be able to disown a human being that came to me and said, I'm different than what we thought, you know, like, I, I, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't even have to be related to me. So I don't understand this, like, I guess I'm just in a bubble. I am in a bubble. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self-care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self-care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the sassy Girl Bomb grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So, to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Well, we have one last caller, and I thought this was a good question because it sort of has less to do with actually dating and more to do with 
how other people perceive us as we move through the world after talking to her. But Marie says, Dear Chelsea, I'm a 31-year-old woman currently living in North Carolina. I realized in my late 20s that I was not attracted to men after years of suppressing my attraction to women. I've been on several dates with women who I feel attracted to. The dates have gone well. When I ask that person out again, I'm always hit with, oh, well, I'm not looking to date anyone currently, or I just didn't feel anything romantic with you. If this happened once or twice, I'd be able to brush it off. However, this has happened after every single date I've had or every connection I make on dating apps. I appreciate the honesty from these women, and I appreciate their communication versus being ghosted, but I feel like maybe I'm undateable. Do you have any advice for me or other people currently struggling with the challenges of dating in the modern world? Marie. Hi, Marie. Hi, Marie. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're good. This is Dylan Mulvaney. She's our special guest today. So say hello to Dylan. Hi, Dylan. Nice to meet you, Marie. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you. So just to rewind, just to recap, you said as as you started becoming interested in women, it's been more difficult to date. Yeah. So I was definitely struggling with figuring out who I was attracted to because I was dating men at the time. And I just absolutely was not attracted to them going out on these dates. So I started talking to a few friends and um, one of my friends had suggested, you know, maybe maybe you're actually, you know, attracted to women. You should try dating some women just trying to, you know, figure out who you are. Of course, it was also COVID lockdowns and then with the uh, challenges of working a pretty busy job and then starting school, I just wasn't really focused on my dating life until probably around the end of 2022. And then, you know, starting 2023 is when I really kind of started seriously getting back into the, you know, the dating game with the past like couple dates I've went on. I felt like the connection was really great through text messaging. I thought the dates were going really well. We had a lot of good chemistry. But afterwards, when I'd go to ask these women out again, I'd be told like, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling a connection here. You know, hey, I'm not really thinking about dating at this time. And I'm not sure if I'm doing something unintentionally or subconsciously where I'm putting off like a vibe of like, hey, maybe, you know, I'm not interested in this person or anything like that. I, I'm just not sure um, if I potentially could be doing something that would be causing that. Uh, how many dates were you? Did you go on? I've been on three so far. I've asked out probably a total of five people. Two of the people I've asked out, you know, they told me like, hey, I'm not looking to date right now or hey, I'm sorry. I just I just started in a relationship with somebody else. And then the three actual physical dates I've been on, I've been ghosted by one person and the, you know, the other person is like, hey, you know, not really feeling a spark here. And then the, the last one was really the kind of the one that hurt the most because I did feel probably the most chemistry with this individual. The date went really well and I'm not much of a hugger, but she went to hug me at the end of the night and I, you know, I, I hugged her back and I was really hoping that maybe, you know, she'd want to go out with me again. But I went to ask like a week later and she told me like, hey, no, sorry, I'm I'm not interested in like dating at this time. Okay. Do you feel like something's happening on these dates? Do you feel like you have a decent sense of self-awareness is the question? Yeah, I do feel like I have a decent sense of self-awareness. I do feel that I'm a pretty competent individual and I do try to be an active listener when I am going out with these people. So, you know, if they tell me something, asking a follow-up question, you know, related to the conversation we've been having, I'm not sure if there's something subconsciously I could be doing that would be giving off that vibe. But I do feel like I'm pretty self-aware when I am on these dates. 
Okay, well, what I would say is, first of all, you should relax your attitude about the whole thing, okay? Because life is about rejection. You're going to get rejected a ton of times. It's going to happen again. It's going to keep happening. You know what I mean? And then there are going to be people in between that you're going to date and that you're going to have, and it's going to be mutual. You need to look at this, just kind of change your perspective, I think, will change the outcome a lot. I think you should Mm -hmm. look at these things as more casual and be a little bit lighter if you can figure out a way to really relax yourself before you go on these dates so that you're not coming off too strong or you're not coming off too rigid. I know you said you're not a hugger. Like that can kind of send out a certain energy when people don't like to be hugged. When someone goes in Mm -hmm. for a hug and that person's not a hugger, you can feel it and that can kind of be a chasm. Do you meditate at all? Um, I've started to get into the meditation. I had downloaded the Calm app yesterday and I've been starting to get into that a little bit. Is that what you use, Calm? Well, I was just going to say, it's the the universe must have been tapping you on the shoulder because that's a good app. And (laughs) I wanted to know what uh, city do you live in? Because I'm available. I'm kidding. (laughs) The closest big city that I'm located to uh, would be the... Okay, I was just curious about what the lesbian scene is like out there uh-huh. because my with experience now being around some lesbians out here, they stick together. You know, we travel in packs. Well, I'm I'm I go both ways right now. But <laughs> I will say that maybe if you can insert yourself into just being friends with some gals who like gals in your area, that way, you know, people can get to know you or these potential women can see you, they can experience you, get your personality, get at your quirks. They'll learn that you maybe aren't a hugger, but love that about you. And sure. and then something could potentially happen more organically. Mm. Whereas right now, if you're meeting people online, there's this precedent like, oh, we're here not to be friends. We're here to potentially date. And that's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. Whereas I think in the queer community, so much of it happens in person. It happens at, you know, a gay bar or a bonfire, you know, just that fun, lively, queer connection. So I would almost take a detour from the dating and really focus on finding some amazing lesbian friends that can also help guide you to some other people, hopefully nearby. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. And making it a numbers game. So going on lots of first dates. Think of first dates as just like throwaways a little bit. Think like, of it as practice. Like just exactly. Pra- like you don't you don't have to look at the a date like oh okay I hope this is the one. You can look at it as like what a great way to get to know how to do this better and how to relax mm-hmm, yeah. yourself. So there's not so much pressure each time you go out. It's almost like if you overdate for a little bit, you get more comfortable with dating. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a really intense job, and she's in the Army as I well. I could tell. So. I was going to say, are you in the military? Yeah. So maybe, you know, not going on a date right after work where you have to bring that intensity. You know, maybe taking some time to breathe, to decompress, listen to some, like, nice music, move your body a little bit before you go on a date so you're just, like, feeling loose and free and, like, having a good time when you go yeah. out. I would say you come across as you have this kind of intense energy, which is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. But now it makes sense. Like you do need to decompress. You do need to meditate. You do need to relax so that you can, so you're not bringing your job to your dates with you, right? I'm sure your job sure. is a huge part of your life, but until you get to know somebody, that's not their responsibility. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to just, I think your job from here, from this phone call, your takeaway should be ways to really calm yourself so that you're walking into this with an 
energy of fun, not, okay, I'm going to conquer this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get my girlfriend. You should go in it as like experiential, like, okay, this is going to be wonderful. I'm going to learn about this person, and then I'm going to learn about this person. And it's not so methodical. It can be a more casual experience. And like what Dylan was saying, do you, do you have a group of friends? Do you have a group of lesbians or any friends that are lesbians? Nobody really close by, but I did join like a meetup group where it was, you know, Great. like, hey, yes. LGBT, yeah. let's go on hikes on the weekend. Activities like that, that I was thinking about, like meeting up with some of those people on a, you know, weekend hike. I'm yeah. obsessed with that. And you already <laughs> made that initial step. And I'm someone, I'll be honest with you, I haven't even been kissed as a girl yet. And I've never dated anyone seriously. And I just think that we are going to find someone amazing. And it probably might even happen in person because if these apps don't, I don't feel like they're working for me. It sounds like yeah. maybe you're trouble, having some trouble too. Let's get in one of those groups and let's meet some mm -hmm. hot people. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it just takes one. My best girlfriend was in a super similar position to you. She had dated guys. It wasn't working out. She decided to date women. And she was so intimidated every time she'd go on a date that, like, she would call it off right afterward. Then she finally met someone. She's like, this is going to be nothing. It's just a friend thing. She just came out, too. We're going to hang out. They made out for four hours, and <laughs> they're still together a year later. So it yeah. just takes that one, you know? Yeah, sure, just and, sure. and and treat everything a little bit more lightly. Like you were just smiling. You're beautiful. You have a beautiful smile. Enjoy yourself. It doesn't have to be serious. It can be fun. Yeah. And so just focus on the aspects of fun and relaxation and being present. And it will be a lot easier for you. You know, you won't feel so rejected when something doesn't work out. It, there's no reason to feel that way. There's 8 billion people in this world. You know, you're not going to hit it off with everybody and have sexual chemistry with everybody. That's that's kind of a natural selection sort of thing. So just try and take it down a notch in terms of your expectations and being so kind of rigid or regimented about them. Sure, sure. That's all great advice. I really appreciate it from everybody here. And start that calm. You're going to see a difference in, your, in the way you feel five or 10 minutes a day and you'll start to feel differently. I promise that. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Marie. Thanks, and Marie. Marie. Keep us posted. Good luck. We hope you get some Putang soon. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Oh, that was so cute. I immediately, when she started talking, I'm like, is she in the fucking army or she, what? When, that, that, <laughs> this and the hair and yes. the thing. And I'm like, oh my God, when you said that, I was going to say, do you work in the military? Completely. When she first, when we had our pre-interview call, she was in like her military garb. And I was like, wow, I'm so afraid and intimidated right now. It was like hot, but intimidating. But also <laughs> imagine that balance. Like yes. when you're doing that, you're serving in the armed forces and then you're supposed to have like this casual encounter. It doesn't. Yeah. You can't approach it the same way no. at all. Oh, right. No, right. it's a total seesaw. So, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Anyway. Okay. Well, oh, we're going to wrap up. Right? Exactly. We'll take yeah, a we'll break and we're going to wrap up with Dylan Mulvaney. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. 
An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the sassy Girl Bomb grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So, to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. And we're back! We're back! We're back! Just a delight. Just an absolute delight having you here, Dylan. I loved you before I met you, and I love you now. And I just can't wait to see what's in store for you. I'm so excited. I do have one question for you before I leave. So we just talked about how Miss Marie there doesn't have anyone. I have yet to be kissed as a girl. I wanted to know, do you think it would be better for me to rip off the Band-Aid and just get it done, or should I save it for someone special? I'm always about ripping off the Band-Aid. <laughs> I think I'm I just, always. you know what it was? I needed to hear it from you. <laughs> and so tonight, I'm going to hit the town. <laughs> but, I love it. I love it. Well, report back. Will do. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Love ya. If you'd like advice from Chelsea, shoot us an email at dearchelseapodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to include your phone number. Dear Chelsea is edited and engineered by Brad Dickert, executive producer Catherine Law. And be sure to check out our merch at ChelseaHandler.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Probiotics can be an important part of your daily routine, and they certainly are a part of mine, but sometimes they are a hassle to take. Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply, valid through July 31st. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.